welcome to PCI Cast, a conversation about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Let's hear what the team have been talking about this week. How do we start this? Because we don't have a guest; it's just you and me. And me. Well, uh, well, let, let's let's set it up. Uh, you're the smarter of the two PCI Cast hosts in that you are the one currently studying for reading for doing work for a master's yes right so tell us a little bit about your master's so for the last three years i've been doing a master's with durham and their center for digital theology and and st john's college um been kind of working I've, i've split you could do it in a year i've split it over three so i've done four modules on digital theology, digitally mediated uh, Christianity, uh, biblical uh, literature. And uh, we had to do, remember back in Union, there was like the introduction to pastoral theology module where you learn about the bicycle and all that, you know, the pastor, the pastoral cycle. I had, I had to do um, a generic module in the pastoral cycle on a master's level, but you know, uh, and now this year I've been working on my dissertation. So it's been an interesting time to do digital theology and think about it. Um, highly recommend uh, the, the masters uh, right at the very start. I'm going to do my plug as a dutiful student of uh, Peter and Jonas. Uh, uh, Pete Phillips is my professor. Look it up. The masters of digital theology. I think they're working with a college down South in, in outside Liverpool now, but if you Google masters in digital theology, it's been excellent. We've thought about loads of interesting things and so many things that are interest or relevance for today. And maybe we'll talk about a few of them. That's exactly right. I mean, what a time to be, you know, thinking about and, and studying digital theology, given that really the past year of our church life and I guess our kind of personal lives, lives as well has been digital in nature. I mean, so much of, you know, any kind of interaction that we've had has been through a screen rather than embodied um, and yeah. I that, that that then brings up its own kind of challenges and nuances and, and I guess opportunities as as well it, it works in a couple of different ways it, it the digital theology part of it and some people ask me well what is the digital theology what does that mean Ben what are you on about bios going online as you as you said we then get to question, well, what is intrinsic or what is important about um, gathered worship that now we can reflect on and see? And so many people, I, I don't know about yourself and Rathku, but certainly in Craigie Hill, folk do say to me, I miss, I miss, I, I miss church. I, you know, and they can recognize the, the intrinsic nature of gathering under a, under a roof or as our forefathers sometimes did out in the field, whatever, you know, in person and, the importance of that. So, so digital theology is a way of kind of thinking through some of these, well, what do you lose whenever you go online? Whenever you try to do ordinary, ordinary religious um, stuff in a extraordinary environment like digital, uh, what changes? How does this change? That's one of the big themes that uh, the profs uh, were trying to stress upon us. What happens whenever we uh, use these tools of technology um, uh, for theological purposes, uh, for, um, I suppose, religious uh, uh, or r- ritualistic uh, purposes, i.e. 
you know, trying trying to have a. Some people try to call it digital worship. Um, I, I kind of shy away a little bit from that term. But um, what why, happens why to you, us? Why do you shy away from that term? Because that's helpful. helpful you think you, you think you think digital worship is helpful? No, no, no. Uh, helpful to think about. Yeah, yeah. Why there might be an issue calling it digital worship? Hmm. It, it's because. Well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't talk about uh, physical worship. Well, it depends on what way you're using the adjective. Uh, just to, it's helpful. To, in some respects, it can be helpful to set it apart and say, hey, this is a little bit different. This is digital. Um, but better would be maybe to talk about the digitization of, of worship r- rather than digital worship uh, sure. and, and, how, uh, and how there are big changes uh, whenever you go online. Uh, whenever suddenly all your data is collected, when, you know, John Graham thought about this. That's, that's two podcasts in a row where we've mentioned them. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, he talked about this. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. He, he brought it up. Uh, there was that Netflix. I don't know if you watched it. Uh, the Netflix documentary about social media. And, and that's had a bit of effect on people thinking about, hey, all these big companies are collecting data and all the rest. Um, how does that you know how, how does that change the nature of us being on social media how does that change for the church whenever we go online um uh the, the nature of our of our being together tools shape us that's key we come we, we become what we behold we shape our tools and then our tools shape us that was uh kind of marshall McLuhan and uh, his friend uh father john uh colkin uh, thought about this uh we, we we become what we behold and tools shape us we, we have to remember that so how has the last year of us being online and not being able to gather how has that shaped us and what has that done to um, our church these are the questions we need to ask Let, let's take let's take it back even from okay to without reflecting on the past year at this point let's go back yeah. to you know the week in between Sunday the 15th and Sunday the 22nd of March 2020 it was Sunday during that week that we got an email through saying all in-person gatherings were to cease all um you know you know Sunday worship services were to were to stop um you you being the the digital theology guy you doing you know what you've been doing these past number of years what what, what what did you think? What where where did your where did your head go at that point? What was the conversation you had with yourself or your session or or, or, or that? What did that what did that look like? Because you had to put something together basically yeah. from scratch, as every congregation did, you know, in 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 a matter of a few days. But I guess you already had done a lot of thinking and reading and studying about about this in some way. So so. What was your what was your thought process in that week? Well, I'd like to say that I had it all. You know, I'll just pull this essay down from the shelf, and right, we'll do that there. But I must admit, I mean, a lot of us um, and, and me, like many others, you know, we just want to, let's get something done. However, for us in in Craigie Hill, we had been live streaming our services for the last year. Or no, last couple of years, I think we had been on YouTube. Now, we only had about 30 subscribers or whatever. And we had set that up as a Kirk session deliberately to allow a window into the worship service. We under I understood and uh, I tried to 
explaining to folks that it, it, it's, it's, it, you aren't participating, you aren't in person there, but you are able to watch. And uh, the, the camera lens allowed a, a window in. And even the way we framed that for the last few years, even before the pandemic, we often used a zoomed out shot so that you felt like you were kind of watching in. Uh, it wasn't, it, it was a, it was a, as an, it was an aid to enable housebound people, people who couldn't make it out, um, access in a similar way, a little bit of a, I suppose, a technological upgrade to the, remember we used to do tapes and then there was CDs. This is, uh, this was always conceived of as a way to kind of enable a window in. So we had all the processes fine on that Sunday morning, instead of gathered people gathered in, we had set up the camera looking on and uh, Campbell did our first uh, live stream as it were. And people were already used to the, the YouTube. So that's the technical the, the thinking through. I was aware that if we were going to have to do this and none of us thought that it was going to be so long, did we? You know, we all thought, Oh, it'll be, it'll be a few weeks. We'll be back to normal. Uh, can you imagine? Um, I, I hadn't thought through probably enough. What will this do? Uh, to, to, to do this long term um, and I, I was already clear on some of the things that w- that we would do and we wouldn't do it was to be called a reflection it wasn't digital worship it wasn't online worship it was a reflection as an aid to family worship or, yeah. or private worship it wasn't if you didn't attend my live stream my digital worship if you didn't attend that I wasn't going to be sending the elders around to say I didn't see you logged on on Sunday morning yeah yeah you know, in, in the same way that if, say, somebody doesn't show up at Sunday worship and you don't see them uh, for a you know, couple of months, well, you might be wanting to start to think to yourself, well, where's that person gone? You know, they're a communicant. I should go and talk to them. Um, church, you, you aren't checking who's attending your live stream, I take it? Well, or no, you're, you're recording. Yeah, you guys do it a little bit different, don't you? Talk to us about that. So, so I, again, come back to what you said. There, there was no playbook for this in that weekend between the 15th and 22nd of March, 2020. Um, so I think, was it the Tuesday maybe of that week that we got the, 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 the email through? And I think, you know, I, I think I spent the rest of Tuesday and much of Wednesday kind of despairing um, mm-hmm. uh, and really kind of struggling to know what to do. Uh, and then I think on the Thursday, I just said, okay, I'm going to go up into the study and I'm going to put together um a video and it would just be me talking to the computer mm-hmm. being like okay this is this has happened uh should it probably only be for a few weeks but we'll we'll we'll, we'll do this uh i'll maybe do maybe start a new e-series uh, something we can you know do two or three of and then you know whenever we get back in a few weeks time we'll go back to our normal series that we were doing and we can pick up this series that we started in a midweek or, or, or something like that at some other point, but then obviously it rumbled on and rumbled on and, and, and it continues to, to rumble on. Uh, and again, just going back, there was no playbook. There's no, uh, if in case of a worldwide global pandemic, just in no idea of Clausen, um, here's, here's what you do. I mean, I don't know. Well, it, it, not, yes. At our local level, there isn't a playbook. There are examples, and digital theologians will talk about um, uh, the difference between online church and church online. Mm-hmm. So there have been online churches before that yeah. 
you know, have you ever heard of uh, St. Pixels? That would be exam- an example of an online church community that existed. I think it was the early noughties. Uh, maybe they got, they kept going to perhaps the, 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 the 2010. I'm not sure. Ba- basically it shut down. You, you heard of them, have you? No, no, no. Did they only exist online? Yes. So, so, so there have been experiments. Uh, I think that was a, a a Church of England, perhaps, and, and of course, America has seen as well um, examples of online church communities. Uh, back in the back in the naughty, I did computer science uh, in twenty twenty or not twenty twenty in two thousand and one to two thousand and five, and this was all the rage. You know, the IT companies were booming. Um, YouTube hadn't come around yet, but there were you know people wanted to do stuff from moving from message boards to, you know, and thinking through, can we do church in this environment, but not a church online, but actually just an online community. Um, so, so there were playbooks, um, certainly of, of ways this has worked in the past, but all of those were kind of operating on a parallel track to what the, what you and I, or what the kind of the local denomination was doing. You know, we were just kind of chugging along and the whole internet thing was happening there. And, you know, maybe we had a Facebook page, maybe we had uh, a website, but there was no real conception of how do we foster communities online or what that does to our people, et cetera, et cetera. Aye. So sorry, that was kind of a long way to, to, to answering the question you asked me. So, so yeah, we, I landed on the recording something and putting it out and that's the model yes. that kind of we've fallen into. And okay. part of the reason is that we didn't, and we don't have the, the hardware and the infrastructure in our meeting house to live stream. I mean, I have, um, I have an iPhone which can pick up 5G in our meeting house, so I probably could Ooh. live stream from there. But uh, but nevertheless, we still record uh, and put out. Whereas your your live streaming, I guess you said you already had that kind of infrastructure, and you know it was part of your culture, for lack of a better word, what you were doing was already you know doing that in lieu of you know what people would have recognised as an old school tape ministry. You know, do you think? So the way you're putting it out, do you see that sense of this is this isn't a gathered worship? Um, this, yeah. But it, uh, what I'm asking you is, do you think that's helpful? Then the, the doing the pre-record during the week helps in your mind at least, because I take it you put it out on Sunday, don't you? You don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I record it and stick it up onto YouTube and then schedule the release for Sunday morning, and then we have an email that goes out to everyone as well. Okay which again is scheduled for release on Sunday morning. And I think actually, yeah, that's been helpful um, in the kind of little thinking I did about it and in the ongoing thinking, because what we're, what we're doing on Sunday, you can call it a lot of things, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't think we can call it, you know, worship in the sense of gathered worship that, that we would, that we would understand. I mean, the way I usually introduce it, is it's it's terrible that we can't meet together for gathered worship here in the meeting house this morning but mm-hmm. you can still and we can still worship as individuals and families at home and hopefully this what we've got this morning uh, will be helpful in that regard and then what we do put out as a congregation in is fairly low-key so we have you know a couple of bible readings uh, a sermon and then deborah our guitarist will play and uh, play a song and people can sing along uh, and that's that's really that's really it. So yes, we I I certainly view it as an aid to family and private 
devotion and worship rather than a replacement for or substitute for Lord's Day gathered worship of God's people. Does that makes sense? Yes. However, you like me, uh, and I suppose like many who are listening, perhaps in PCI, we have kept elements of the ritual, the words, the environment, the actions, uh, even perhaps some of the gestures uh, and the symbols yeah. using the median house, that uh, those building blocks of what we do on in the church uh, gathered, we have in some way replicated uh, and then digitized them for now you put out your, I take it you put out your video at 11 o'clock or hey, whatever. It comes out at six in okay, the morning. Okay, <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. So you put it out at six in the morning to allow people, that, that there is a differential then, so people can kind of watch it whenever they want. For us in Craigie Hill, um, we, we do put it out. It's a live stream. People log on from about quarter to 11 and, you know, they, they sit and, um, they, they sit and watch. I, I'm not. I'm not making a plug for, actually for the live stream um, because I, I envisioned that this would be something that would only last, you know, a few weeks, and then we would be back in normal, back to our normal window into the gathered church. And certainly, we continued that uh, whenever we were we got to meet from July onwards. Yeah. I, I, it's we we have to kind of begin to unpick. Um, these ritual elements and uh, how we, because technically speaking, you know, some ministers have just done it from their study and that's okay as well. I, I did for the first few weeks. It was study or kitchen. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, others, I've seen some examples of people using Zoom. So even more interaction. We, we use Zoom for our midweek actually. And it, it's interesting to reflect upon the difference between say a Wednesday midweek Zoom where you've got, you do a little bit of you know explanation of the word and people are watching versus a Sunday morning and you're just down the lens of a camera yeah. or the guys who are in the room streaming or for you live recording. I think, my, I think my brother here in the North Belfast, presently Niall Lockhart of Bally Henry, I think he is a he is Zoom on, yep. on, on Sunday morning, isn't that isn't that right? Yep. Uh, and these are, I mean, again, we're back just to kind of the means of which we, we do this, but uh, I, I, we keep kind of trying to get back to the question, what does this do to our faith? What does this do to our religion whenever we go, whenever we, we, we're not allowed to meet gather in person, whenever we go online? Um, what are the questions that throw, throws up, you know, that all this throws up for us? These are the kind of things that I'm trying to think through. I mean, my dissertation this year is on the absence of the offering. Um, so I'm trying to think through. I haven't found a PCI service that has had a, you know, they may call it worship online or whatever, but nobody's said right now at this stage, we're going to collect the offering. And, okay. uh, you, know, you, know, you know, so they have the elements, you know, they'll pray, they'll, there'll be a song, they'll, um, they'll have the word, you know, read the Bible. Oh, and preach and then traditionally in a normal gathered service then there's the there's the offering but nobody's digitized that isn't that interesting you know um now obviously you could probably think of examples in america where gospel preachers are digitizing that and you wave your credit card at the screen or you you you, you get a qr code and it takes you to just giving page but for, for me i'm thinking in my dissertation well do we need, does it need to be in our service gathered whenever we get back? Um, if we haven't had it online, you know, it, it, can we have a return to a traditional, uh, what, what we used to have done as Presbyterians, which would have been at the door, you would have lifted the offering. Anyway, 
Yeah. These are some of the questions. Well, that's that, that's an interesting thing to think about. I mean, that I mean, if we're going, <laughs> I mean, if we we claim to be guided by the regulative principle, I mean, there's no there's no place that I can see in the New Testament where you know that the plate is passed round at their at their gathering or, or, or that kind of. Well, what's the what's what's the history behind that? I mean, why why is that part of our services whenever we do gather on Sunday morning, evening, or midweek? Well, traditionally, um, in the reformed uh, in reformed practices from Strasbourg, Geneva to Scotland, you would have had the offering, or no, it wouldn't be called an offering. They would have deliberately shied away from that language. Um, offering being the generic term for that giving unto the Lord, uh, taken from the Old Testament, sacrifices included within yeah. that, you know, peace offerings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, we've shied away tradition in the reformed and we would call it a collection mm-hmm. uh, co- co- you know um corinthians you know you know uh bringing your uh bringing your collections on the first day of the week uh you know the lord loves a cheerful giver set aside um so on and so forth and, and that traditionally would have been collected um at the door on the way in or the way out um we in pci i guess would have done that um i'm working through my dissertation so my history if that's a bit spotty uh but if there's anyone listening and wants to help me with that happy days <laughs> uh, all, all gratefully uh, received uh, but certainly we went from pure renting then to free will offering and then within our orders of service uh, certainly in, the, in our book of public worship suddenly offering appeared just like the anglicans um it doesn't have to be there, um, but the digital aspect of that's interesting for me. Can we give, and I'm sure in, in Rathcool, as in Craigie Hill, as in many other places, people are giving, um, their, people still want to, people rightly want to give to the Lord, but they're doing it in a digital fashion. Uh, remember that whole time where we weren't allowed to collect cash and ca- we're probably moving away from cash as a society mm-hmm. increasingly. Uh, so, so what does that mean for, for the church and uh, our digital money, uh, giving digitally? Uh, and how, how can we facilitate that as a church and still understand that this is a, a joyful, free, uh, a free thing um, uh, given unto the Lord, but doesn't need to take place in, in during, the, the, during that hour of worship? That's really interesting. That's, uh, do you know, to be totally honest with you, it's something I'd never really given any thought to, I guess, until this this conversation right now well, well somewhere i have to get fifteen thousand words uh before uh before september 2020 on it um i think i'll be okay well, oh 2021 oh boy i'm a year behind craig i'm a year behind I know, it's that happened um what what other kind of elements of um you know 2021 digital life have you implemented in the life of Craigie Hill I mean do you have a like a WhatsApp group or or you know the mm. the, the 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 messaging app of the moment is, is Signal yes. and a lot of people porting from from one to the other and what, what what else have you been been doing apart from apart from live streaming well I suppose we have been using a technology like the phone um it's a bit old-fashioned I know but just phoning people that has you know that has been key really for us at ensuring that the elders, the elders doing that as well. I mean, we, I ventured onto Facebook. I, I had a Facebook account whenever you still need it. Uh, the dot ac.uk back whenever I was first found it. Uh, I then deleted it and now I'm back again, only just to kind of, uh, kind of accommodate stuff in the church. 
We, it's just avenues to, to facilitate communication, isn't it? One, in our previous podcast with, da- with uh, uh, David and, and Peter, you know, the both of them talked very much, uh, talked a lot about a relationship and uh, technology that facilitates that is good. Technology that facilitates um, communication freely is good. Technology that doesn't gather. The reason why lots of people are moving to Signal is because suddenly they're freaked out about WhatsApp's relationship with Facebook. It's owned by Facebook. And Facebook then reading all your conversations and selling you uh, adverts. You're datafied. That's the, that's, yeah. the, that's, that's the phrase. I've been, I've been trying to avoid that with our people. I don't want to collect a lot of data on our people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's a certain amount that you, that, you know, we've kind of got to have to do our jobs. I mean, if you, you know, you, you know someone, someone falls ill or, or that kind of thing, you want to be able to give them a ring or, or, or drop around and in normal times. So it's important for us to be able to have, you know, names and addresses and, and that kind of thing. But now we live in a, in a GDPR world where we have hoops to jump through in order for us to, you know, legitimately have that, that kind of data. Um, is the same do we need to think in the same way when it comes to i mean like a church whatsapp group or a church um or a church facebook group or, the, or that kind of thing should be the same should we be think, think the same things the problem well let, let's let's separate maybe the whatsapp group which is quite immediate and there's no um the the, the algorithms that operate behind Facebook, behind Twitter, um, can say, take something that someone said and then make that the top comment without any external force, uh, with any external moderator affecting it. Um, I don't think that's helpful in a church context to have an unseen algorithm that some engineer has designed um, affecting conversations um, within the within the, the, the within the local within the local church. I, I would shy away from that. WhatsApp's a bit different. You know, people will have probably WhatsApp prayer groups that that kind of thing. You know, I, I've shied away from putting the whole congregation though onto a WhatsApp Craigie Hill. Presbyterian group because I I don't think that's natural I mean I I wouldn't dream of that during the I wouldn't dream of doing that uh, you know if we get the whole congregation to come and talk, we would have a moderator at the front there would be you know standing orders of how we're going to have this debate Uh, if I bring everyone onto a WhatsApp group uh, suddenly half my life will be spent moderating the thing Um, and actually can can cause even more problems. Um, however, you, you know um, there are there are some benefits to having this idea, like a, perhaps a prayer group or um, things like that. Uh, I, I, I just I, I shy away from that, which moves us away from embodied relationships. Craig Gay has a book um, talking about modern technology in the human future, and he, in it, he's making the case that we've got we've got to use technology to move us to embodied relationships, embodied human relationships. He makes the point about um, the Lord's Supper, actually a theological point that that is a the bread and the wine as a technology, um, you know, so something that has been put together by people, bread and wine, that the Lord set aside um, to push us to, to, towards that in relationship with Christ. And uh, I certainly think that uh, we, we need to push towards embodied relationships and technology that facilitates that. 
and 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 so uh, that's where I would probably possibly think about when it comes to th- those groups. Why do you guys have it? What do you think? Well, we have a before before this all happened. We had a a prayer group on WhatsApp that people would have just kind of thrown a prayer request in, and mm-hmm. people would have prayed for. And then, you know, whenever we came to our prayer meeting on a Sunday evening before our evening worship. You know, we would have we would have prayed for those things, but obviously, then people would have been praying during the week. And um, very quickly, then that morphed into a means of communication because uh, you know most of the core members of our church were were in that it wasn't our primary means of communication. I mean, we got we were able to get everybody's you know uh, email address pretty quickly, and most people are connected with us through our our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter. So, um, but yeah, you know, we did, we, we do have a WhatsApp prayer group. It's still called the prayer group, but you yeah. know, that would be one of the places that we would put that I would throw the, um, the Sunday service. That's just what we call the, the video. It's just the Sunday service video. I would throw mm-hmm. it in there as well. And, and folks would can share then. I know folks, some people share that with family members and share that on social media as well. So, so yeah. Some of what's behind this idea of sure, if we're all together, we can all talk together, this will be great. We'll all come up with something that it's of more than the sum of our parts. Um, there's a philosophy, uh, you may have encountered it, uh, post humanism. Yeah. Uh, and the idea being that, you know, there'll be this utopic global brain where we, if we plug ourselves all in basically to the matrix, we can. We can be more than us as private, personal individuals. And I'm not saying that the church WhatsApp group or the Facebook group is anywhere near anything like that there. But it it can follow a little bit in that line and that thinking, um, if you know what I mean. And it redefines that, that spirit of the ages is out there on the internet that you see on your TVs that you, you know, that redefines our idea about personhood, individual uh, privacy, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we as a church uh, could actually, uh, we don't want to go along with that post-human, I think a radical and anti-Christian mindset, you know, for us, Utopia is in Christ Jesus, is an embodied relationship in a new heaven and new earth uh, for all eternity, uh, not ones and zeros, et cetera, et cetera, global yeah. brains and all the rest. Um, again, those are big, big picture, far away from maybe brass tacks here. Look, this is Monday morning and I need to talk to my congregation. Yeah. But we do need to think about privacy and how we as a church can support that, how we can uh, move us towards embodied relationships. And the way we do technology and the way we shape technology, Heidi Campbell, again, if you want to, if you're listening, you want to do a wee bit more reading around this, Heidi Campbell is a good place in digital religion, um, talks about how religious groups shape technology. And I think we can shape technology and we're at, we're at, we've been doing this for a year and I think PCI and local congregations should be thinking now, well, how are we going to shape this better to meet our needs? Um, and maybe I should be preaching this to myself because I've just kind of continued on with the live stream, but uh, we, should, we should think about how we shape it uh, that would better forward Christian goals of embodiment, of relationship, of personhood and, and, and all the rest um, that allows... Uh, independence and and a uh, 
privacy where there needs to be privacy as a minister i don't need to know all your comings and goings etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, but um, I, I think there's, there's a moment here, and there's a moment for the denomination, there's a moment for us as local congregations. How are we going to shape this? What are we going to do that makes this better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, you know, if you, if you look at uh, other churches and how they do it, uh, the Roman Catholic Church is a good example. On the whole, you'll not see them on YouTube. They, they, they eschew that technology. They, they, well, they're big. Well, it's, it's a bit, bit obvious, but they're a wee bit bigger than us. <laughs> they, they are global uh, and they, they have the, the, the technological, they have the power to be able to create systems that, that, that work for them, that they control. Whereas we are, all of us Protestants have all leaped up onto an American company, YouTube. You know, for somebody to watch your show, uh, your service on on the uh, on the on a Sunday morning, they, they need to sign up to generally uh, user account, you know, EULA's end user agreements. Mm-hmm. Like, give that data away to an American corporation, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which which they can take and use. Those are issues that are again behind our use of the technology that we need to think through. What's the best way for us to shape technology to 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 help um, every PCI congregation, because we were, I, I, you, we, we talked about as we come full circle now, back to that time in March, we were all just left, hey guys, where you go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what much more that the that anybody really could have done for us at that. At that no, 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 that's, that, right, that's, that's right. Not a criticism, but, no. um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's been, a multitude of responses and different ways of doing things and you know I, I think we're we're still probably too close to it to say well here's the right way or here's it here's here's a wrong way or we shouldn't have done this or maybe you know there's there's some things i think are clear and obvious that you know it's good for us to do it's still good for us to spend time in god's word it's still good for us mm-hmm. to do some kind of systematic work in that i think it's still good for us certainly as pastors and, and, and preachers of the gospel to be mm-hmm. to be leading our our people through that on the on the lord's day um, but, but we do those things so for us we do those things on the marketplace we, we go out into the marketplace of youtube or facebook or wherever we go yeah. for perhaps other denominations what they will do is they'll just make up their own and the people come to them. And, and that is a ecclesiastical shaping of technology based on their own convictions. Okay. Uh, and I think organically, probably the solution that we've come up with, perhaps with YouTube and Facebook probably fits in with who we are and how we understand our place in the world. We'll go out there. Um, or maybe it's, that's interesting. Or maybe not. Maybe there's maybe there is a better place. Maybe there is a better way for us to say, "Hey, let's just develop our own uh, streaming system." PCI tube. PCI say- tube. Yeah, absolutely. We have control over the data. Our your problem with YouTube is, um, which other denominations will not face, is our people then go on and watch your service, your reflection, your worship, whatever you call it. Then immediately after that's over the algorithms then suggest to them, hey, based on what you've watched, you may like so-and-so, you know, you may like so-and-so. And and that's not YouTube being nefarious. That's YouTube basically just their algorithms taking the raw data of what other people who are watching your stream watch and then suggesting it to you. Because what YouTube's goal is, is to make money off you. It wants to sell adverts. It doesn't, it's YouTube's goal is not to facilitate worship on a sunday morning <laughs> or nor nor is facebook's uh, those companies goal is to to make money and the way they make money 
sell you ads. And the way they sell you ads, keep you watching. And the way to keep you watching is the algorithms see what other people who have watched the stream watch it and who are like you. So I can tell who are male. I can tell how many men, how many women, what age group, yeah. where they're from. You've seen all this data. Facebook can do the same. Now, if we can see that and we're only the customer, imagine what YouTube can get off and it does get off. And that's the data that goes into these algorithms that then feeds back stuff to you. As a pastor, I'm a bit worried about that because I talk to people and I'm sure you talk to people and, and suddenly you, know, you find that the all Sunday they've watched like you know, <laughs> five or six services. They spent the whole day you yeah. know, going from church to church. And on the one hand, that sounds great. That sounds good. But then the other hand, you're thinking, you know what? Is there not food enough in one sermon to reflect upon for the week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And are we, are, we, are we in a case of spiritual indigestion here? We, you know, we've, yeah, just because we can do it and YouTube's telling us to do it and YouTube's suggesting yeah. to us to do it, we're being nudged. And now here, now you're back into datafied people. You're back into data valence. You're into some of that stuff that you see on that documentary and on Netflix where the algorithms are taking all this content that all PCI ministers and churches got. And, 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 and over in America, our friends in PCA um, and the OPC, all of that stuff gets turned up and put up online yeah, yeah. and then served back to us. Yeah. And we've facilitated that for the last year. It's been an explosion of stuff on the internet. And again, another person may say, hey, that's really good. This is great. Uh, the word is out there. But on the other hand, you've got to think, well, how is the technology being shaped or, how, or shaping us yeah. and our faith? Uh, that, that's, that's an interesting, that's a really interesting thing to think about. I hadn't thought about that. I, I think I, the other thing I think I maybe want to go back to just for a second before we before we wrap up is that you said that you know it should be the goal of technology to facilitate and enable better or more embodied mm -hmm. uh, gatherings and comings together is that um i guess it, it just just listening to people like elon musk and the mm -hmm. kind of things that he's talking about and thinking about and, and saying you know what the trajectory for you know, humanity is as regards our, our relationship with technology. The opposite seems to be true from those who are, you know, building and developing the technology uh, and then and then pushing it. Where, where do you get the sense that you know technology should facilitate more human face-to-face -face interaction rather than less? If that's not too convoluted a question, do you know what I'm? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you want to do a bit more reading on it, uh, Shosanna Zuboff and um, her work in data valence is key. Um, she argues that uh, basically in the age of surveillance capitalism, that these guys like Musk and um, everyone from your, you, you may have like a, a, have you ever heard of a Roomba? Uh, a Roomba is like a little robot that kind of cleans your house. Uh, right. So one. the value... So the value in the Roomba that cleaning your house isn't actually in cleaning the house. The value is that the data that the little robot gathers um, of the layout of your house is then data that can be sold to some other company, perhaps a interior design company or something like that. There, yeah, exactly. But in gathers data. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought it was just like a kind of a <laughs> figured out where the walls and stuff were every. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course it does. Of course it does. Yeah, it, it, it's doing that. But 
in order for it to do that and do that well, you have to agree an end user license agreement, which sells all your data to, to the company. Then the company can take that data and sell it on to someone else. We are kidding the Roomba. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Uh, well, we've got a, we, we, we've, we're worse. We've got like a wee Chinese one that, uh, that's cheaper, but who knows what Chairman Mao's doing with that. <laughs> Okay, so, but, but, but if you know that, then that's helpful because then you're an informed customer. You know, okay, that's fine. I can buy my Tesla car and it will, it will tell Papa Elon all of, where, all of where I've gone and all the rest. And so be it. But Zuboff makes the case that government, government can help legislate against those things and government needs to step in. And you're starting to see that probably with the Democrats over in uh, America, they're going to start to kind of tie the, the hands of Google, Facebook, these big uh, American uh, technological companies. Um, you saw that with Trump actually a little bit whenever, remember TikTok, was TikTok banned? Do you remember that? Um, by executive order, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, last so, 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 his, his problem there was that it was the Chinese government that was getting all the data, not the American. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, uh, um, uh, f- f- for us, what we want is um, as a church not to be participating in that. I, I really don't want to know. And I've talked to other colleagues as a moderator of Carrick Presbytery. Uh, actually, sorry, I kind of enunciated that a little bit, didn't I? The moderator, uh, no, as, as moderator of, of Carrick Presbytery uh, for this year, which has been an interesting year. I've talked to friends, I've talked to colleagues and friends, and the clicks, the retweets, the likes, I don't think does anything for them. Oh, no, it doesn't. It sure doesn't. You know, I, I don't think it does anything for any of us to suddenly see 200 views or 60 views or three thumbs up. I mean, I think that just destroys us and it destroys the notion of pastoral encouragement. And I know some people, uh, I mean, have good intention and they want to say, hey, that was good. That was a good wee word there that you gave us thumbs up. But I don't think that that YouTube framework or Facebook framework, which is they've developed for again selling you more stuff um or or getting gaining more information so that they can hey this this video has been liked so many times we can sell it to somebody else i don't think that facilitates proper pastoral encouragement um like the phone call or even the text message uh, and and we as a church i don't think uh, that's not what we wanted to participate in that's not what i want my ministry to look like likes retweets and all the rest yeah. uh, I, I want an embodied um, I'll see you eyeball to eyeball at the door and shake your hand or I'll be in your house and, and we can talk about it like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, a few months ago talking to my my buddy Craig in, um, in Bally Gilbert and he was saying, you know, that the, the worst thing about all this is the YouTube analytics page for your videos and, and, and the proclivity to want to go on and see, oh. you know, how long people watched for, what oh, yeah. point, in the the video that you put out people were most engaged or least engaged or what where the drop off was uh, uh, and that kind of thing uh, we even even know now you know the analytics page can tell you what device people are using oh, yeah. i mean like on a sunday morning whenever we sit down usually about 11 um we have a we have a smart tv so we can we watch our our service on on the tv in the living room so you know the the four of us in our house you know sit on the sofa the girls 
um, are doing the coloring sheet or the activity sheet or the activity you know that we've sent out to everybody for the day. So you know, I'll sit with her a cup of coffee. You know, we watch it on TV, but the analytics page for our videos, you know, should tell me that seventy percent of the views are on a mobile device, like not even a tablet or a computer or a TV, but a mobile, like somebody's yeah. phone. Like a wee you know, tiny phone. You no, know, and and uh, you know, and I, you know, just yesterday for the first time, I I recorded, I recorded the video in um, uh, sixty frames per second. Uh, oh, did you? Ten eighty p resolution, Ooh. and it took me ages to upload it just to see what it's <laughs> like. But now that I'm like, you know, most people are watching that on their phone. There is no point whatsoever in in that in that quality of recording, you know. But like. But, but but the point I'm, the point I'm making is this, you know, we as the people who, well, me as a person who 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 runs that YouTube account on behalf of our Kirk Session and congregation, I have access to a lot of data about yeah. the people that are watching my video, and I think that well, a, it's not data that I would normally have if I was just leading, you know, you know the assembly of Lord's people on, on the Lord's day morning, I would see mm-hmm. you know, the regular 70 or 80 people that we would have out to Rathcool in our meeting house on a Sunday. They'd be sitting there. I wouldn't know how many of them were yeah. thinking about the, the, you know, the, the, the chicken in the oven or how many of them are really engaging with, you know, but w- whereas, you know, all I need to do is a, a few clicks and I can see at what, I, you know, at what point people were really engaging, people were thinking, you know, how long the average watch was for, you know, how many people liked it, how many people commented on it, how many people Mm. shared it, you know, all that kind of information. And I think actually that, you know, there's been the old time when I've been flicking through that going, I think I'm probably in sin here looking through this. I don't think I need to know this information. I shouldn't know this information. And there's something sinful in me, I think that keeps driving me back to that analytics page and wanting to look at how people are engaging with the stuff I'm putting that's fair absolutely craig absolutely um it it, it appeals to our base uh, old sinful nature and it it ties us into the spirit of the age which is a low consideration of personhood a low consideration of who those numbers behind the people are because there are people out there individual disciples whom we want to uh, to, to reach and we can do better than YouTube's analytic page. We can do better than Facebook. Um, and, and we should consider the dangers of um, forcing people to be, I guess, data fuel uh, for, for, for these private algorithms and all the rest. We can do better. Um, and we will. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It's hard to kind of make a boat whenever you're at sea and try to build it around you. Uh, but we're going to have to find some sort of space and time to think through these issues uh, and what would be the best uh, for, 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 um, for that, would, that would give a gracious treatment of our people and also our ministers. Yeah, because like it or no, well, pandemic or no, um, life online you know, life lived digitally, in a sense, is is here to stay and is not going away. And, you know, again, Papa Elon uh, et al., you know, the trajectory is going to be towards more of that rather than less of that in the years to come. And I guess we as a as a denomination need to think very carefully about that and, and, and where that's going. I remember in the Herald, you know, probably about a year ago, I think, uh, you know, Professor Stephen Williams had an article in it about AI. And I remember thinking, what? on earth 
is are, are we getting you know a, a mind a great mind like that to think and write an article about AI for and I think now that we've spent a year being digital I'm, I'm like absolutely we needed that article and that that, that, that that was a helpful article and I think I went back to, to reading it there a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. um but we certainly need to do more thinking about this and more talking about this rather than than less I guess you know you know hoping that this is going to come to an end in the not too distant future I mean one of the first things I'm going to do is delete zoom and never go on it again, you know? <laughs> but, but, then, but then you think about that a little bit more is that actually going to be practical or are we now in such a way are we now structuring our lives in such a way where things like Zoom and Facebook and YouTube, uh, are they now becoming integral to ministry going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are going to be things that we will keep. So, so you will may have, you might have, and the way we do during the kind of like the, the kind of July to uh, was it December time where we were allowed to keep meeting. Yeah. We actually had a camera in at our Kirk session meeting. So members who couldn't come, could zoom in yeah. uh, and so you kind of like had a hybrid idea my, my professor uh, pete phillips talks a lot about a hybrid church uh, and i think any notion that the cameras are going to be switched off whenever the masks come off yeah. is wrong the right. cameras will continue and the zoom calls will continue uh, the challenge for us as a church we can't put it back in the bottle as it were we're just going to have to figure out how best we can shape this technology to uh, meet our theological convictions uh, around disciples, around personhood and the gospel and wanting to share it, how best we can shape it um, before it shapes us. And it is shaping us and recognize that it's shaping us, but um, how we can get it to do that in, uh, uh, in helpful ways. And that will mean that we will be the friction. Craig Gay talks about this, the friction in the, in, we are going to be cutting against the grain you've talked about Elon and, and all the rest. That's the way it's going. That's the way Reddit and uh, these communities, you know, we live our, uh, you, you talked about, we live our lives online. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think, I don't think that's where we want to be going as a church. Um, but I, I think we can be, we, we can use this technology, um, but be mindful of the manner in which it is using us uh, and then do it better. Cool. Ben, this has been a really helpful conversation. Thank you very much for, you know, you know, taking off the, the presenter hat and, and being the guy in the, in the chair. Well, I, th I think it was a, yeah, I know it was a, a fun conversation for, the, for us both uh, and hopefully uh, some other folk as well. Um, cool. Well, thanks a million. Thank you so much, Craig, and thank you listeners. Yep. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to PCI Cast. Join us again next time for another conversation about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter using at PCI Cast. See you next time. Let's let's go then. Let's go. Well, uh, I'm turning to you now. I'm going. To, uh, 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 where are we going to start, Craig?